the new site. We gave Focus quite a plug last uh, time. In fact, have we, and have we got the slides? Just while uh, Joe and Sophie are here. Or should we look at them in the end? We've got one or two pictures. Ah, here we are. Why don't we just wet our whistles for Focus. Takes place in the last full week of July. Um, details are on the notice sheet. And uh, the wonderful thing about this is it's a Christian teaching holiday. It's a holiday. There's Christian teaching. There's great fun for a whole load of churches loosely connected to um, Holy Trinity Brompton who started that. It's kind of their holiday that they've, if you like, expanded. It takes place on a caravan site, camping and caravan site up in the northeast. Uh, and I just wonder whether we're going to get those. Two seconds, great. Here we go. Uh, it's right by beach. I think you might recognize that rear view. There's, a, there's, a <laughs> there's the, an example of the accommodation. There's fun and frolics. It is a genuine holiday, as well as being a time for meeting others, meeting new friends and renewing old acquaintances. Lots of stuff to do. And the sun always shines. Uh, and what we've done, you've, you'll recognize maybe one or two faces there, is as a church, we've gathered together. They, they, as we book in, uh, they try and place us all together. There's quite a few thousands of people on site, the men. Uh, and we had, actually, it was really helpful. We had this great space. <laughs> I should have edited these slides. <laughs> so we had a great space to meet as a church uh, within, you know, the wider church. And um, it was just brilliant to have time, uncluttered, unhurried time. Is that it? Yeah, to, uh, just to meet together. So it was, it was really good. Friendships were sort of formed and cemented, uh, and other new people made as well. There were all sorts of teaching streams as well as sort of international speakers and finding out what God is doing all around the world. There was some fantastic Bible teaching, uh, really inspiring worship. And then different streams, sort of teaching streams to do with family life or sort of theological and spiritual stream, or there was a kind of political and social action stream. So you could kind of follow up uh, interests uh, that uh, you may have throughout the week. So there was, really was genuinely something for everyone. But um, don't just take it from me. Sophie, you were there. A couple of uh, years ago, just what, what was what's your sort of impression of, of Focus? How, what did you get out of it? Um, okay, well, it was just a really great holiday, and if I could, if it could be a year-long holiday, that would be <clears throat> even better. But um, so I'd say that I had two highlights, and um, the first one was I just think it's a really great chance to invest in friendships and just deliberately go out there and spend time with friends. So just great, gorgeous friends from here, but also um, friends that you kind of half knew and you can just um, love spending time with, with them. Um, and there are kind of gigs and poetry readings and, and it's, it's, it's really fun. And um, the second thing I'd say um, is that after the morning talks, which are um, huge and inspiring and exciting and, and massive, um, there are these seminars in the afternoons. And um, so my favorite was um, this one by this modern day superhero. <laughs> Um, Graham Tomlin. Um, <laughs> Steady. <laughs> Who's uh, coming to speak at church soon? Very exciting. Um, and, and he did this one on prayer, and um, it, it honestly has changed my, my, my prayer life. It's just phenomenal. And he just talked about different ways of praying. I, I don't know, it's, I can't explain it. But, um, and then it prompted me to do this HDB course for a year, Saturday mornings. Um, just going through the Bible in a really kind of doctrinal but exciting and nice way, and the Bishop of London was there, and um, I don't know, I, I 
can't say it. it, it I don't know. It's, it, it, was, it was good. <laughs> so you've, you've said it all good. Just one, one question while I've got you here. Because the, the photos the, the look quite sort of family-oriented. But is there sort of other stuff going on you talked about? Yeah, big time. Um, Go on. So um, it's just... Um, Everyone I, everyone I wanted to know and everyone I, I kind of half know was there. I mean, the whole of millions of people there. I mean, it's packed. Um, loads of people, 20s and 30s, and um, every evening there are millions of things to do. There's dancing and, you know, nice drinking in a sensible way. And um, just parties or um, cafes, and um, it's very relaxed. It's just like, it's, I mean, it's, it's a beach holiday for church. <laughs> I couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> Sophie, thank you very much indeed. Brilliant. A beach holiday with church. Um, and the accommodation, we showed you some really palatial caravans, and there are all sorts of ways in which you can kind of configure the caravans to bring the individual unit costs down. But a, an alternative form of getting there, which makes the cost even less expensive. Is camping. <laughs> Now, I am, the thing is, when you book your caravan, you don't know if you're going to get a scuzzy, horrible patterned curtain-type caravan or a slightly more modern one. But obviously, with a tent, you get to know exactly what you're taking. <laughs> and, and there are several reasons why camping is such a winner. It's cheaper, um, and that might be a really helpful thing. Um, it's a great way, you can, we can obviously camp immediately together as a church, so we, as a church we can be immediately together, share meals, that kind of thing. We had um, Messrs. Jamie and Mr. Martin, I think at our tent, every meal time last, <laughs> last year, which was great. I don't think they cooked once. Um, Jamie just appeared at the right time. Just <laughs> like Mr. Ben. And... Um, so that's fantastic. And likewise for babysitting the evening, if you do have children, again, it, that can be easily shared amongst the tents. Um, but the other thing, if you're nervous or if there's something in you that's always wanted to camp, but it's just a little bit scary, the great thing about camping at Focus is it's actually total luxury alongside. So you have on the camping field, there's a big marquee that has generator electricity. So it has lights on all the time. You can stand up in it. It's obviously a proper big marquee. So you can stretch out your back from sort of leaning over slightly. Uh, there's always an urn on with tea and coffee available. There's the newspapers laid out every morning. Um, and, you know, so if your kids are up early, you can take them there and they can run around and play with toys and things. Um, so actually, it really helps make the camping easy. And obviously, the children, if you're bringing children, they're in their groups for part of the morning and possibly part of the evening, depending on their age. So again, you're not having to sort of manage. So it's a brilliant way if you've always thought about camping, but thought, oh, it's quite a big step. Perfect introduction. Because I know you, you did the booking for us, didn't you? But how much was it? So still, we're still a family of five, and we're going to focus for a week. This is a beach holiday with the church for... Is, yeah. 400 pounds. I, I don't think you'll get a holiday anywhere near that for five people anywhere else. So, it, it, and uh, if you want any advice or help with camping, we can get hold of any kit you want. Uh, if you want to borrow stuff, just come and talk to, to Joe and I. Um, or, or talk to, and talk to anyone who's, so Sophie's been, Will and Lisa's been, Joe's been, Sue's been, there's various other people who've been. So if you want to ask questions, but we would love, um, the beauty of Focus is rather than us having to do all the work to organize our own church week away, uh, what we can do by invitation, we can go and join the HDB week away. And they do all the work in the organization and we just have all the fun. 
So that's why it's a sort of billy bargain, really, and a win-win. Uh, and we'd love to encourage. The PCC, we talked about this last, at the end of last year, and as a church leadership, we'd love to encourage as many people as possible to come. To that end, there, uh, we've set up a sort of provision for bursaries. And if uh, you'd like to come, you get on the website, you see how much it costs, and you think, oh, actually, I really want to come, but I'm not quite sure we can pay all that. We understand. And um, so please, just see Katie, who's just uh, here, Katie Campbell, who's our director of operations, or Faye Shippey, who's uh, our church treasurer. If you just see them discreetly, and we, I'm sure we can come to some arrangement where we can help you so that uh, you can come and join us at Focus. Wonderful. Uh, we're going to move on in our service now uh, and come to uh, the hearing of God's word. Here's Roz. She's going to read to us from Peter's letter, and then Will is going to speak. Uh, the reading is from uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, and it's on page 1151 of your Bibles, 1151 of the Bibles, and it's starting at verse 13, but actually we're going to finish at verse 16 rather than 21, which is on the sheet. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Peter. God. Thank you, Ros. Right, just give me a second while I move this over. It's great hearing the Stillwells um, evangelizing people into a life of camping. I know that um, we're all saddened to see that Black's, the, uh, the camping shop, is struggling. Stillwells have been doing their best to keep them in business for years. Um, so do take them up on the offer of equipment. There's plenty there. Now then. It's like a mess of cables here. Here we are. Right. Well, we are working through a series looking at our values as a church. We're a church that um, we advertise a, a statement of vision but we've been giving some attention to our values. What characterizes us as a church community? What's our personality, if you like? What's our DNA as a group of people? What do we hold to be important? And a group of leaders from the church went away last autumn, and we brainstormed a number of things. We looked at uh, what we exhibited as a group of people and also what we aspire to. What's our sort of trajectory? Which direction are we going in, in terms of the things that we hold dear under God? And um, we've condensed it down into an ABC um, of three areas that particularly summarize who we are and who we hope to be in God. Adoration, belonging, and compassion. Adoring God, belonging to this community, and showing God's compassion to a needy world. And um, over the last two Sundays, we've been focusing on the first, the A of the ABC, the adoration. J 
Jamie and Tim were talking about our passion to worship God in, in music, with our lives, to be a people known for the worship of God. And um, last week, Tim spoke about feeding on God's word. We're a people who feed on uh, the life-giving word of God. Um, we read the Bible regularly, uh, both individually as a church, but in smaller groups as well. And so, um, finally, on our, on our section on adoration today, we're looking at our intention to, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit at work amongst us, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. So, just asking the question at the start, who's forming you? Who's forming you? The, the Bible has a theme that runs through it about formation, a formation of people. And um, I've been hunting around for a, uh, a metaphor, a picture for us of what, uh, of what we're like, the kind of people that God has made us, the kind of people that can be formed. And I stumbled, I stumbled on this, and uh, I hope that you can see it all right. That was Morph. Uh, now, it may be that this, this dates you slightly. Morph was around between 1977 and 2005. He was a friend of Tony Hart. Tony Hart, the artist who had a series of TV programs based around um, art. And interestingly, uh, well, it's interesting to me, but Morph's original name was Ardman. It had something to do with the, the sort of type of clay that they used. And, um, Ardman is now the name of the studios for Nick Park, who created Chicken Run and Shaun the Sheep, Wallace and Gromit. And uh, Nick Park actually came and worked on the program and took the, word, took the name Ardman with him. So there you go. It all started with Morph. What I'm putting to you is today is that we are a little bit like Morph in our very being. We have the capacity to be formed in our relationship with God, in our relationships with other people, in our relationship to this world. Now, I wonder how you react to that statement. Perhaps you feel slightly affronted by that. We're set up, aren't we, to believe that I am 
self-defining. I, I decide who I am, thank you very much. The world doesn't define who I am. No one else defines who I am. But the biblical view of humanity is that we are created to be uh, shaped in relationship. And we see this, well, just a, a quick run through the Bible. We see this in Genesis as God shapes humanity from the dust of the earth and breathes life in it just like morph. He creates humanity in his image. Male and female together are shaped in God's image. And when Adam sees Eve, he says, this is flesh of my flesh. For this reason, a man will leave his parents and be joined with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There's a molding to each other that happens in marriage. And God shapes people through the Bible as well. The call of Abram. At, at his call, God tells Abram, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. And he changes Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. And there's a subtle shift in Abraham's story at this point. Abraham meaning a father of a multitude. He changes his name to represent his calling the change in direction that Abram's life is taking. And similarly with Abram's son, uh, grandson rather, Jacob. Jacob, in a defining moment in his life, wrestles with God, wrestles with an angel of God until he gets a blessing. He says, I won't let go of you until you give me a blessing. And so to mark this, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. And Israel means wrestles with God. These are a people marked to fight, to wrestle with God until they get the blessing that they want from him. In the next defining moment in Israel's history, the Exodus, God takes a slave people and takes them to a place of freedom. There's a transformation that takes place in their life from being slaves to being free, to being more than that, to being an amazing nation. And then in the next uh, defining time in Israel's history, in the time of exile, the prophets speak of a new return from exile, almost like a new exodus, that they can anticipate a new change in their status from slavery to freedom. And this will be a change in their hearts, not just a, a change in their political status, but a change from the inside out. And this is what we see in the events surrounding the life, the death, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. This return from exile, this change, this formation um, from the inside now out. And so in the passage that we um, had read to us today, this language of formation is taken up by the New Testament writers. We are formed by our relationship with God, by our relationship with this world, and our relationship with each other. And so Peter there says, do not, be con do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. 
do not conform. It seems that there's a healthy kind of transformation, but also an unhealthy conforming to the pattern of this world. Life is full of choice, but to conform is not always the right choice for us. And here's Morph. Someone's put a hot coffee mug on him, and he's been conformed into a coaster. He's been commoditized. I wonder how often we feel like we've been commoditized by the pressures of this world, shaped into a mold that seems to fit someone else's agenda, but not our own, or that of the Lord Almighty. And Peter uses the word here, desires. He, pl- he brings to our attention the fact that our desires are at the heart of this work of formation within us. You see, the biblical view of the human being is that we are desiring people first and foremost. This goes against the grain of um, our modern uh, way of thinking. Descartes um, was known to have said, I think, therefore I am. But uh, the biblical view is to say, I desire, therefore I am. Uh, if, we, if you look at the, the commandments, the, the summary of the, the law that, Je- that Jesus gave, it said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. At the heart of who it is to be a human being is our desire. But it's our desires that are at play when this work of formation takes place within us. So what are the pressures to conform in us? Well, these words come from the baptism service. After we've baptized a child or or even an adult, The congregation join together and say, fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil. And these, the church has come to recognize, are the three primary areas of pressure on us to conform to a shape that is defined um, by another force, not from God. Sin is, uh, I think, probably we recognize in ourselves, it's our own desires that are not moving in a godly direction. Perhaps it's selfishness. Perhaps it's materialism. Perhaps it's uh, anger or rage that is uh, not a healthy anger. And um, the challenge to us is to take responsibility for that sin. The Bible says what we need to do is repent, turn around, have a change of mind, move in the other direction when we notice that sin. Our conscience is a great gift to us that we can uh, be pricked when um, we have been sinful in the way that in our attitude to others, even in our own inward, inward life. Secondly, the world the messages that we're bombarded by, and perhaps in an advertising age, we're more and more aware of this. If I say to you, because you're worth it, you will know what I mean by that. Because you're worth it. And I wonder whether this is a big, this is, this is quite a challenging 
concept for us to take hold of. Are we entitled to that product that is summarized by because you're worth it? And I'm not just talking about hair products here. I'm saying in, in the broader context. Is there a spirit of entitlement in our culture, for example, that conforms us to a particular shape? What is our view of luxury? Do we feel hard done by if our day does not start by a double skinny caramel macchiato? Is there something, actually, there's not quite, something not quite right about this day because I didn't quite get the right kind of coffee or the right kind of croissant or uh, I didn't have lunch in the right place? What is our view of luxury? And is that right in, um, in a world where three-quarters of the world's population will make less than a year than we do each month? So the world is pressurizing us to conform to a certain way of thinking, of being, and we become complicit if we're, if we're not guarding ourselves against that. So that's the world, and then finally the devil the devil may seem an outdated concept to us in our modern age, but the enemy is a very present and real um, presence in our lives. Jesus tells us that the devil's intention is to kill the life within us, to maim us and destroy. And where we see, where we hear that voice in our head saying, go on, you're worth it, or... Um, you're entitled to feel angry and unforgiving towards another person. Our, the call on us is to rebuke that voice and to say no and to move in the other direction. So there's a fight against this conforming pattern in uh, uh, the sort of tripartite pressure on us from within our own sin, the world, and the devil. And in the Holy Spirit, we're given the tool to fight that fight. So that's the pressure to conform. What about being transformed? Paul writes in Romans, in very similar language, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The alternative to being conformed is to be transformed. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. This is a work of God that the church has come to call sanctification, to use a technical term. To be made holy. And so when Peter went on to say in that very short passage that Rod, Ros read for us, he quotes from the Lord speaking to his people. The Lord says, be holy because I am holy. Our relationship with God tends to transform us into his image, to be a holy people, a sanctified people. So being holy is, uh, is where we're going. It's what the Holy Spirit does in us to transform us. But does that then mean that we are shaped into the same mold 
and that God is in the business of stamping us into identikit Christian molds. Vanilla, 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 vanilla. Black and white, black and white, black and black, black and white. No, I don't believe that is the case. God has creation, in his creation uh, has shown us a great diversity. And I think that this, is, uh, this move of transformation is, uh, is pictured very well here when Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Freedom is about being who you were always meant to be, about being who I was always meant to be. And the work of the Holy Spirit in me, the work of the Holy Spirit in you, is to make you the people that God always had in mind when he created you. To be unique, to be empowered, to live life to the full. When Jesus said those words about the devil coming to kill and destroy and to maim, he went on to say, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. There's a sense of freedom in the work of the Spirit and a movement into glory, a people released to be godlike, to be fully human, to be fully alive. This is this work of internal transformation that the prophets speak of. For example, in Ezekiel, the Lord says, I will give my people one heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. The ability to love properly, to love fully, to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. To be able to love our very unlovable neighbor. (laughs) To be able to love ourselves. Okay, well that's the theory. How? How are we transformed by the Holy Spirit at work in us? And I think that there are three particular areas where the Holy Spirit works in us. Three key relationships, if you like. And firstly, probably quite obviously, it's our relationship with God. We've just been talking about, uh, over the last couple of weeks, how we want to give ourselves to worshiping God in music, with our bodies, here in church, and in our lives in general, and how we want to feed on his work. And at the heart of this is a sense of a real, living relationship with God where we give God permission to speak into our lives, to point out areas perhaps of sin that we need to repent of, areas where we're being shaped by the world's view of what our priorities should be rather than God's view of how we can live our lives to the full, where perhaps the devil has had a foothold speaking lies into our life that need to be challenged. So we, as a church, when we come to see our values, we say we want to give ourselves to a real living relationship with God that is open to his voice speaking to me in that relationship. 
So that's the first key relationship, is our relationship with God, with others. Who are the voices in your life who speak words of truth to you? Do you give people permission to hold you to account? To say, actually, on this thing, I think you're going off the rails. To rein you in. To show you a yellow card. Sorry, that's not acceptable. The way you did X, Y, and Z. Who do you give permission to, that, to do that? Do you give anybody permission to do that? Perhaps there are loved ones around you that you do. Maybe you're a member of a house group where you, ha- you give people permission to speak life to you. Maybe you have a mentor or a prayer partner. These are all healthy parts of a healthy life where God can speak to us through others. But let's not forget our inner relationship with ourselves. Many Christians have a practice of journaling, which is slightly different to keeping a diary. It looks similar, but it's a place where we write down um, what's been going on in our life and what we think may be going on under the surface. Is the Lord saying this, that, or the other to me? I don't know. But maybe the answer will come through the events that ensue in the coming days. For those of you who are more of a monastic bent, I'm, I'm quite monastic, I quite like monastic things, Ignatius um, had, a, had a practice called the examine, where at the end of the day, you would review quietly to yourself the events that had pl- panned out in the day that you've just had. And you'd specifically ask yourself, what were the high points and the low points in that day? How did I react to the events that worked themselves out in that day? Why did I react in the ways that I did to the events that happened in that day? And that is a very good way of seeing a spillage, if you like, of something that's under the surface. If I reacted out of all proportion to something that happened, maybe it's a sign that there's something else going on inside me. And I can ask God to show me what that is. For some of us, we might like to have a spiritual director, someone that walks alongside us to ask us questions about how life is going. What do you think God might be saying in all of this? And we can perform that task for one another. So there are three key areas where God can speak to us and work in a transforming way in our life. One of our core values at St. Dionysus is to be the kind of people that are open to being transformed. A number of us will have been Christians for a long time. And maybe we've um, gone through a period of change in our lives and we've kind of hit a plateau. Others may not be sure whether we're really a, we'd call ourselves a Christian at all. Are we willing for God to be at work in our lives? Do we trust God with our lives? Well, here at St. Dee's, our determination is to push into God like Israel, to wrestle with God until we get his blessing, until he releases us into this kind of freedom, this glory of being a people fully alive in him.
And that's why at the end of um, our services together, we quite often have a period of, of prayer ministry where we will pray for one another, believing that God can change our lives, not just change our situations, but change our hearts from the inside out. And today we're going to have a, a slightly longer period to be open to God speaking to us, the possibility that God might want to begin a work of transformation in us. We, uh, the band have packed up. We've, we're going to have some um, music playing at the background in, a, in, in the background in a moment. But uh, I wanted to share with you a few um, words that we had um, on Thursday morning there's a, a prayer meeting you're all very welcome to come to our seven o'clock in the morning prayer meeting um, in body if not fully awake which meets at the Sullivan Hall which is Zebedee Nursery School down the road you're all very welcome to come along and it's a very exciting time of prayer and what we did this Thursday um, with part of the time there was to listen try to listen to God's voice to ask God, is there anything that he would want to say to us here today? And um, there are a few words that I'd like to share with you. And I'd invite you just to listen to them, to listen to your own heart, to let God's spirit to speak, speak to you. If, uh, if any of these resonate with you, then I'd invite you as we're going to play some music in a moment, to come forward and a, a number of us would love to pray with you. Or if you just are longing for a transformation in your life, then come forward as well. We'd love to, to pray with you. Actually, what, before, I'm going to, before I share these words with you, while I've got your attention, I'd just like to promote this. That there's our neighbors in Christchurch, Fulham, run a course called the uh, Jesus Ministry Course. It runs just up the road at Christchurch Fulham. Runs on the 15th to the 19th of May. And this is a real opportunity to investigate this whole area in, in more depth and to really listen to God. A number of us, and myself included, have found this to be a turning point in our lives to hear God speak to us so directly. They'll be asking God on your behalf, what did you have in mind, Lord, when you made... Will or Graham or John, you know, what was it that you had in mind when you made me? And what is it that's coming against that? And there's a lot of teaching that goes around this kind of prayer. Um, so there are some leaflets uh, at the back. I'd invite you to take one and consider joining that uh, course in May. So what was it that, um, that we felt that the Lord might be saying to us for today? Well, I offer these to you. There was a picture of a paddling pool. And uh, the person looking at this paddling pool thought that it was a very childish thing. But uh, they were urged to get into the pool anyway. And as they got into the pool, they found that it was deeper and more amazing than they ever imagined. And um, there was the, the suggestion that maybe the paddling pool referred to baptism that some of us have viewed baptism as a thing for children. But is the Lord calling us to get baptized as well? 
Um, there was also a reference to the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet who was asked to go and preach against Israel's enemies to say, unless you turn from your wicked ways, the Lord is going to destroy you. And they did turn from their wicked ways, and the Lord forgave them. And Jonah was really upset about this, because these were his enemies. But the Lord said to Jonah, Is it right that you should be angry and unforgiving where I am forgiving? And perhaps it's a call for us to show forgiveness to somebody that God has been merciful to, um, to show God-like mercy in the same way that he does. There was a picture of someone walking through an orchard. They went to pick apples, but what they found there was oranges. And just the message that God gives us good gifts, even if they're unexpected. Also a picture of a pearl within an oyster, and the sense that the the pearl within an oyster develops around grit, and that uh, the hard times that some of us might be experiencing now will form something beautiful in us. Also, the phrase, it's okay to be yourself with God. And um, a passage that Tim alluded to at the beginning of the service, when the Lord spoke to the people of Israel before the giving of the law, he told them that you are my treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation that each of us are treasured by God. And finally, from the story of Absalom and David, David was king over um, the whole of Israel, and his son Absalom was living uh, as a prince in the kingdom while David was in exile for a while. There were a couple of years where Absalom enjoyed the benefits of the kingdom of being a member of the royal family, but never looked but didn't over that time look on the face of the king. And the passage said that the king's heart longed for Absalom. And perhaps, perhaps for some of us, we've had a period of time where we've been enjoying the benefits, if you like, of being a Christian, of being part of God's family, but haven't looked to ourselves on God's face as his precious child. So we're going to come to the the full end of our service now. We're going to play some music that will come across on the CD. Um, And what we'd like to do is just to invite anybody who wants to respond to any of those words or just an urge for God's transforming power in their lives to come forward and and a number of us would like to pray with you. Um, But uh, otherwise, do help yourself to teas and coffees. We'd love to have the opportunity to get to know you and chat with you at the end of the service. But for today, we're going to have a bit more of an emphasis on the opportunity to pray at the front. So um, God bless you. Thank you for listening. And um, let's um, give ourselves to pray now.